Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. I am your host as ever, Lou McCaffrey, and this week I am joined by um, Stuart Dugan, first off. Hello, thanks for having me, Lou. Thanks uh, thanks for being here. You look like we can see a wee bit of your, your decolletage here. It looks as if you've been, uh, you've been lifting. Have you been lifting, Stuart? I haven't been lifting, mate. That's all, na- all natural. But if you want a man that's been lifting, we've got the right podcast panel. There you go. We t- set you up there. It's, uh, you could see where I was going with that. I teed it up. You, you, you hit the ball off, off the tee. Um, we're joined by a man who is no stranger to a protein shake and a few supplements to get him, get him through his uh, working week. It's Brian McManus. This is the only supplement I need, Louis. Every Tuesday night, that's it. Sets me up for the week. Hey, this is good to be back. To, we're off to, off to a great start here. I know OG Brian McManus, you know, from back in the day when it was yeah. the 90 minute cynic and, you know. Before it turned into just a platform for you and Sir Manity, your stuff. But yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And, and speaking of Sir Manny, it's, uh, it's Sir Manny. You thought I was going to say something else there, but no. Uh, how are you, Sir Manny? Uh, delighted as always to be here. I tried to interrupt a couple of times there while my OG cynic hero was speaking, Brian McManus, but for some reason I forgot what I was going to say, so let's just crack on with the podcast of the proletariat. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, we're off to a great start, as always. Um, so we're going to get right to it. At the weekend, we were playing um, back after the international break, obviously, uh, on domestic duty against Ross County. So Manny and I done the we did the reaction podcast after the game uh, for the cynic. Um, it, we ran out five 0 uh, winners on the day. Although five 0 obviously great scoreline. Um, there's maybe there's quite a bit more to talk about in terms of performance because it, it you know I'm not saying it wasn't a five 0 game. Right? I'm not I'm not going down the Mark Warburton route, but um, th- there's plenty to, to discuss in it. We had uh, five different goal scorers. Um, we had uh, Odson Edward open the scoring with a penalty. Uh, Albina Jetty, Shane Duffy on his debut, um, a, a guy called Christopher Ayer uh, with a tap-in, and um, Patrick Klamala um, rounded things off. There was a number of changes as well. We made five substitutions, which is obviously allowed um, this season. So we've got, we've got plenty to discuss. Uh, Stuart? You, I think you could be forgiven if if you didn't see the game. You could be forgiven for um, seeing the scoreline and thinking, you know, it, it's a thumping and things like that. When you read a wee bit more into it, it wasn't maybe the best performance first half, but we, you know, we still ran out five 0 winners. Yeah, one in one five 0 though. Does that just kind of <laughs> does the performance? You know, do you just kind of brush it to one side? I, I don't think you should uh, brush it to one side, but I think that. This is something that we've been crying out for for a couple of weeks domestically anyway. Um, from a scoreline perspective, you know, blowing a team away, there was no question of the result. Even from, um, you know, taking the lead in the third minute, I know that Ross County had a number of chances and perhaps Celtic didn't settle quite as quickly as we would like. But over the piece, I think there's a lot of positives to take from this game. And given the slightly uncertain start or slow start that Celtic have had domestically I choose to take encouragement from it I think there's lots of positives if you look at the fact that from the lineup from the formation seeing the likes of Duffy playing from the start seeing the likes of Ayeti playing from the start having Odds and Edward looking a wee bit sharper and then as you rightly said Lennon used all five subs and you got to look at Turnbull you got to look at Sorrow and it kind of 
as you rightly say, there's, there's a lot to go into on it because moving forwards with the personnel that Lennon chose, it'll be interesting to see what the impact is for certain players. You had James Forrest playing as a left wing back. What does that mean for Greg Taylor? What does that mean for Moy Elianusi? You had Scott Brown still starting, even though the three-five-two system doesn't really <laughs> doesn't really demand a defensive central midfielder. Um, so there's lots to unpick. But in general, I think that <clears throat> we should be positive about that because Ross County is a sort of place where you could end up going and having a turgid result. Um, they could be compact. They could just sit in, and there was some good stuff played. Admittedly, not straight from the start, but we got there in the end. Yeah, I think like as you as you kind of ran through some of the the changes that were made there. Obviously, I personally, you know, been crying out for three five two for a couple of weeks, as 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 have most kind of Celtic fans. I think it's been kind of obvious that we've been moving in that direction anyway. With the likes of Duffy coming in, and there was a question mark, I suppose, about whether he would start, and he did. Um, we did start three five two, as you say. We had. Um, we had Frimpong start on the right-hand side, James Forrest kind of in a left wing-back position, and, and it was the first time really we've seen Eddie and, and Jetty up front. I still think after watching it, and we can maybe touch on Scott Brown later as well, um, I still think watching it, three-five-two is the answer. Like It just confirmed it to me seeing it despite a maybe, you know, a shaky kind of first-half performance or, or a kind of disappointing first-half performance. Anybody have any concerns with three-five-two, or is, did that just confirm that that's, that's the one for us right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, 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 it's the formation that most of us have wanted to go to. And despite some of the, the shakiness in the first half, maybe nervousness, I think I said in the reaction, I think the attacking prowess, I think the movement of the front too, um, I think it's cemented for me that it's not perfect right now, but we need to bed that in. We need to play 3-5-2 for the next three, four, five games to kind of get used to it. Um, having two strikers up front really, really makes a difference for me. Um, and it, it's, it's got to be about building on that now as opposed to chopping and changing between the two. And again, I've must have said this half a dozen times on different podcasts. Bottom line is, we played our best football last season when we moved to three five two. So for me, it has to come in and stay in. I'd like us to have the ability to change it up, but right now, in terms of get, getting some momentum together, um, three five two all the way for me. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think the main thing, obviously, is getting Eddie and a Yeti um, on the field. It does cause some selection problems, though, particularly at left wing back. Um, Forrest was, I suppose. A bit of a curveball. I think I said it in the preview without any inside knowledge whatsoever that he'd be starting on uh, the left-hand side. And I think he'd done okay, but um, there's concerns over there. I think we need to play Moy, um, which three-five-two causes a problem in terms of where do you fit El in because I think he's one of our best players um, and you want him on the field. But overall, three-five-two works for us. Totally agree with some money that we need to keep this going because we hopefully provide there's no positive cases where anybody were playing should have a decent run of games now to cement that um, and at the turn of the year it totally worked for us and it needs to keep going one of the weird things about Saturday though like we were saying at the WhatsApp group first half wasn't great um, second half picked up we win 5-0 but our goalie's the man of the match which, yeah. which is a bit of a weird one although it's great to see him actually doing the job we all hoped he would and he pulled off some cracking saves just before you come back in there Louis try and mix it here a bit We've got to play Moy Stuart Duggan. 
What, what, what do you think of Mr. OG Cynic Brian McManus's comment now? Well, I think that what I've always said about Moyelnyasi is that he is a tremendous player, uh, and what my criticism of him had been over the since the start of the season basically was that we weren't seeing the level of consistency that you would like to see from a player like that. Uh, and when he came on, that's an example of the sort of thing you can do with the the assist for Klamala's goal. You saw even on international break, he scored that tremendous goal for Norway. That's the kind of ability he has. So it becomes frustrating when you see him have fairly kind of turgid performances um, out with really the, the Reykjavik game uh, from the start of the season. So I would completely agree with Brian that he's one of our best players and you want him in the team. But the system doesn't really allow for him unless perhaps he's going to play as a number 10 or as a second striker. Because when he came on, him and, and Klamala were basically playing as the two up top. So th- there's a lot of different kind of moving parts for what this means for certain individual players. I think that, <clears throat> I know that we'll probably come on to talk about it, not in any great detail, but the fact that, you know, the other registered left back at the club has moved on now, leaving us with just Greg Taylor as an actual natural left back or left wing back. I know it's not his, his favourite position. I know he's not tremendously competent in either, but... Uh, I think that implies that three five two is here to stay, as Sermani is suggesting, uh, and that Lennon perhaps thinks that he has enough. Whether it's Forrest is his preferred choice there, whether there's someone else coming in, or whether it's going to be Elianusi or Taylor, that the system at least looks like it's here to stay. And so there's a lot of question marks over who plays where. I mean, the fact that Ryan Christie didn't start either, what does it mean for him um, if he's not going to be first pick? And we can go through all the different individuals. Ultimately, we're going to have a lot of games and there's probably going to be a lot of rotation and, and everyone will get a crack at it. But if you're wanting quite a stable first eleven, that left wing back position is still kind of up for grabs. And if, as you would expect, the club to go and buy someone that can naturally fit in there, what happens to James Forrest? Does that mean that he's going to push Frimpong at the team? Because I think we would all agree that Frimpong's probably the most natural right wing back and one of the best players in the team as well. So they're not bad problems to have, but it's just how Lennon manages that. Do you think, you know, I know it's a bit of a, it is a, bit of a tough one. You could probably argue we're doing it for both, but do you think we're playing 3-5-2 because we've bought Shane Duffy and we've got three quality centre-halves, or is it because we've got two quality strikers in Eddie and Ajeti? You know, what what t- what is for, kind of forcing our hand or... or to play three five two because really if you play Duff like if you sign Duffy you need to play him. I mean we surely can't bench him. The same as a jetty though. you you can't you're not paying five million pounds for a striker and presumably we had to kinda of convince him a wee bit to come to the club or him to play second fiddle to Eddie uh and a, a one up top. So I, I think it's more that Lennon's now trying to buy players to fit into that system. Now the the issue that we've got is some of his favourites, Forrest being one, is totally unsuited to it. But, you know, Lennon will find a way. We've got a right winger here. Let's play him at left back. It's not a problem at all. He'll fit them in no matter where. But for me, it does seem as if he's got three five two at least being, at least as playing it partner of the season. Do you know, it looks as if it's in his plans, if you will, because of the personnel he's bought. Um, but you are right, there's a question mark over guys like El Yunusi and, Ga- and Forrest specifically because like guys like Mikey Johnson coming back as well because they really don't fit into that system unless he's going to give somebody like El Yunusi a punt in the front two on occasion, you know, it's 
But then, see, just playing dev, devil's advocate a wee bit, see if we are dominating, you know, we're going to dominate possession most of the games that we play domestically. So we could probably afford to play a Moy or a, a Forrest at left wing back because primarily most of the time they're going to be on the front foot attacking rather than defending. So do you think we could see that more? Like it, if we're buying a, a proper left wing back, is that not more for games where we really need it, i.e. games maybe against Rangers or games in Europe when we're really going to be tested? If we're dominating, can we not play Forrest at left wing back? That's the kind of problem you've got, though. When you, you've just got this sort of continual unsettledness where you don't know. You could have a really settled team. Um, like Stu said, Frimpong should be starting right wing back. Um, Eddie and Ayeti, they, they're shoe-ins. I think we'd probably agree McGregor and Cham should be there as well. Back three pick themselves. Um, so you've got left wing back and then obviously the question mark over Scott Brown. I'd much rather we had settled formation and pretty much a settled team. And if that means playing Greg Taylor over there, then so be it. They just need a run, run of games. Lennon's kind of got a habit of tinkering and putting players in places that you don't expect. Um, and that needs to stop because... There's a huge game coming up in, what, three, four weeks. Um, and they, they need to be firing on all cylinders for it. You can't have players in and out of the team just to kind of shoehorn them in. But, then, but, it, but then see Greg Taylor, Brian, like what, what you're saying there about Taylor. Taylor's, Taylor's deficiencies are when he crosses the halfway line and he's in the attacking phase of his game. That's where he's been so lacklustre on like not cutting it. If we played him just purely as a defensive left-back, he'd probably do a job and he'd be all right. I'm not saying he'd be a world-beater, but he'd be all right. But it's the fact that he's got to do the attacking side of it. If that's the most important or the more prominent thing for the, the player in that position, I can kind of see I can see Lennon, if he wants to force Forrest into the team, I can see him doing it more and more often. But Taylor's had problems playing a 4-4-2. Um, the three-five-two might give him a bit more freedom over there. He's 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 already contributed in terms of assists. He's going to have at least two strikers in the box now, as opposed to Ryan Christie outside the box wandering about. Um, uh, the problem we've got is left. Uh, Greg Taylor should only right. Like Stu said we're only kind of recognised left back. Um, but you just need somebody over there. If you're, if we're not going to buy someone. I think we need to have someone in there and stick with them for a while. I think when you're talking about <clears throat> can you get away with playing the Forest or an Elianese because Celtic dominate the ball, I mean, you're also trying to answer the question of how Celtic can win a game 5-0 but their goalkeeper's man of the match. Well, it's because Ross County had a number of chances and that's probably in part down to the fact that he had a right winger playing left wing back. Uh, I think that <clears throat> Celtic would have been quite surprised that Ross County kind of got at them as much as they did or that they pressed them in the way that they did. But I think that if teams like Ross County try and press Celtic or try and harry them, ultimately that's when teams come undone and they get thumped. And whilst I prefer to see that because, for one, it's just a better way to go about playing football and ultimately it tends to go well in our favour. It's, it's very different from like Kilmarnock who had one game plan and that was to just sit and pack the box. I think that the three-five-two. Again, like the analysis guys can tell you how it, how it works better. I am but a simple football fan who just watches. Seems to be the answer to to that to breaking down stubborn defenses, and it was certainly brought in as a as a solution 
for how to play against Rangers as well. So you can see that it has been in Lennon's plans, and I agree with Sermani that the, the recruitment has been done for this formation and for this style of football. It's not we've signed a, a Premiership quality um, defender in Shane Duffy, so we have to play three at the back, or the same with Ayeti having to play two up top. I think they've been brought in because Celtic want to play in this way. Um, so yeah, they, it's just a case of how they manage it, and it might might change game to game, and it's not necessarily a problem. Um, as you say, we might be able to get away with it in some some instances, but it is just a bit weird on paper. So Manny, and oh, on you go, on you go. Let's let's nip this in the bud that we're going to play anybody, any anything other than an actual fullback there, a left back, a left wing back. See the idea that you're going to stick Moy in there. I, I get your point. We could get away with it. But we should only ever be doing that when the squad's in tatters, injury-wise, or something mad like that. See the, the fact that he played um, Forrest there uh, at, at the weekend? That says a bit more about Taylor for me than it does about anything else in terms of what uh, Lennon thinks about him just now. And the fact is we're linked with this boy for Charlton, Dotty. The club clearly see it as a, as a, a, a key position to strengthen, and so do we. See the idea that we can skate by by sticking in midfielders there just to kind of do a job because did, did Forrest do anything glaringly bad? No but is he in any way effective on the left hand side? Not really, no so uh, let's let's not give Lennon ideas here about going with the squad we've got, we absolutely need to get somebody in there purely for balance in terms of the side because when you've got Frimpong, you've got the three centre halves if they start to gel, see if you're just putting a, a bandage there it's really, really not going to do anything for the back five, for the we, back three and full backs, you know what I mean? We were... Um, we do three, we, five, two, Louis. Three, five, two. Um, we were talking about it on the, the reaction, obviously. We were, you know, I'd mentioned how I was thinking at halftime, you know, how, how can I try and be positive about this first half performance? And we talked a wee bit about it afterwards and obviously, you know, we go on to win five now and... You know, I don't want to be overly negative. I, I kind of criticised the reaction podcast of the the Hamilton game, the first first league game of the season, where we won five one, and I thought they were quite negative on the reaction. Um, but to be fair, you know, I've, I've I, I was going to almost be negative myself because of that first half performance at the weekend. But it's a bit worrying that this keeps happening. Like I was trying to come up with, you know, try to justify, it. and I think we we both done a wee bit of that in the reaction to try to justify maybe why the first half performance was that like that. And you know, we're moving to three five two. The players need time to settle in. Duffy's come in. He's only been in a couple of days. Barkas is new. All, all these excuses, but we shouldn't really be making excuses at this point. I mean, we're not. This isn't the first game back. All the games so far, I don't think at any point we've clicked. At any point we've really played to the top of our potential. Now, fair enough, that might not come. You maybe don't expect that right now, but we should be getting a lot closer. And that first half performance for me was still a big worry because, I mean, we went in 2-0 up at halftime, which I, I totally accept, but I just don't think the performance was there. Is anybody else worried that the fact that we're not clicking or not clicked yet? I mean, even the second half, I still don't think we reached the heights that we know we can. So what has to change to get us there? Just, I'll, I'll keep this quite short. I'm not worried that we've not clicked yet. The bug, the bugbear I've got is that we don't have the personnel in to play the system they wanted to by this point. The fact that we're still 
arguing over the fact that we've not got a left back and we've just brought Duffy in. I think that's the problem. You're saying it's excuses. I think it's slowness in the transfer markets contributed to where we are as a squad and obviously volleyball and goalies um, overnight up to Spain, which kind of stilted the start to the season. So I'm not worried about it. I'm a bit frustrated that by this point just now, our recruitment hasn't meant that we've got the players in and we're starting to build that momentum. That's that's the thing for me. I'm not worried because I know that there's still work to be done in the transfer market and there's bedding in time for some of the new signings. But it's frustrating that, that, that we're in the position we are now because of the, the, the delay in our business, really. Well, I mean, I think that you can go on about that as well. But over, over the piece, I don't think you can really grumble with the quality of Celtic's transfer business so far this window. I mean, it would be great to have a left back in, but I feel like Celtic have been burned quite a lot recently with bringing in substandard players that either have been, you know, for one season or have liked to go shagging in Spain or whatever, whatever their ailment happens to be. And it might well be a case of just making sure that you're getting the right person. And I think with a signing like Duffy, you're definitely getting the right caliber of player, player that a lot of us didn't think we would be able to attract to the club. You could even say the same for a Yeti where, you know, for a while it looked like they wouldn't get that over the line. So I think that it is frustrating. I agree with you that that's frustrating and that's an issue, but over the piece, when we look back on it, I think they're doing the recruitment correct in terms of the quality that they're bringing in, even if it's not in the most timely fashion. But without knowing more about what's going on behind the scenes, sometimes I guess these things just take time. I think what would be more worrying about the performance would be if after the first half performance you had Lennon and and Duffy and Brown and the like saying that they'd hit the ground running and it was fantastic and it was tremendous. But both Lennon and Duffy particularly said that the first half wasn't great and that they weren't happy. And Lennon was... Not scathing, but he was definitely critical about it and he mentioned it in his post-match comments. So he knows that we need to be at a higher level. He knows that we aspire to a higher level and I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to win a game 5 now. excuse me, to win a game 5 now, and just accept that for every time you say something's an excuse, there's also an element of truth to it and there is an element of truth in that Shane Duffy had played with Ayer and Julian a couple of days in training. Clearly the sort of rapport that you get between a defence and a goalkeeper probably does take time to nurture. And you saw that a wee bit between Julian and Barkas. And if you're looking throughout the team, I mean, Ayeti's had, what, less than half, about half an hour and he scored three goals. So even though his fitness isn't there, you've got players that are, he's hitting the ground running and Duffy, albeit maybe they need a bit more time to gel to get that fluidity to hit those kind of heights that you're talking about. But there's a lot of positive signs about their early kind of early indicators are good, I suppose, is what I would say. Brian, let's let's talk about Duffy. Were you were you rattling the, the lid of your granny's bin with that performance? Uh, my granny's did. But uh, if she had a bin, I'd be rattling it. Yeah. Um I thought he was great. I think he just totally looked apart. Big commanding centre half. He was talking all the way through the the game. Like we said, he's only had, you know, not only just a couple of days training with the with the team. He's only, you know, got what 180 minutes of football behind him over the past number of months with with Ireland. So I, I was concerned he was he wasn't going to be up to speed, um, wasn't going to be fit enough. But he kind of strolled through it. A um, couple of wee iffy moments, I suppose, but I think he'll he'll get up to speed pretty quickly. Um, he's obviously came from a, a kind of higher level league, so he'll settle in. Um, and I, I, I was gutted I never put a bet on my prediction that he was going to score. 
because it was just, I, I do think it was kind of written in the stars that it was everything had gone for him, the way he spoke about signing for the club, the way he was introduced at Celtic Park, everything just felt right. And um, I was also gutted I didn't get the captain's armband. When, uh, when Brown, oh, who did he give it to? Was it Julian? Julian? Aye, which was a bit weird. Um, so it would have been nice for him just to get the armband, just to, just to seal a really good day. Yeah, I was... Um... I was impressed. Like I thought, thought in the first half, fair enough, he, he maybe had a couple of moments where you could see that he was a bit, a bit rusty. But to be fair, Ayer and Julian had dark kind of rusty moments as well. Um, but yeah, he kind Ayer, of brought. You think so? I thought Ayer was great. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to bite in that bit. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think he kind of gave you everything that you would want from Shane Duffy, or everything that we kind of hoped for. That in terms of what you say there about the kind of leadership and being a commanding presence and, and vocal as well, I, I don't think we can underestimate how important that's going to be to have another leader there that's speaking throughout the game and guiding other players through it. Um, and I mean, it's not as if he's like some, you know elder statesman and his thirties just seeing out the, the end of his career here for a season or something like that. I mean he's at the, the kind of the top of his game, really, despite the fact obviously he's he's not had a lot of game time as such, but he should be at the peak of his career. Um and I I think having him at the back, I think it's gonna do a lot for us. As you say, of course he's gonna need time to maybe get up to kind of full match sharpness and things like that, having not played. But clearly Lennon had enough faith and trust in him that he could do a job right away because he threw him in at the first opportunity, which is what we all wanted to see as well. But I must say I was I was impressed. Obviously great to see him, you know, get the goal and, you know, just a big powerful centre half get up and he went o- I mean he went over Julian to, to get his head on it. But you know he that claimed, type he claimed for a penalty, did you see that? <laughs> Julian when he's on the floor. <laughs> But that just see just having that though that I mean Julian don't get me wrong he he's brought quite a bit in terms of kind of in the opposition box from from set pieces he's had a few goals himself Julian's but it's probably something you know having all three of them I, I mentioned that in the reaction I thought that was that was telling the fact that. It was a clear, obvious tactic now that when we've got a corner, all three centre-halves are going to go up and, and, and attack it. And then you've got, we had Forrest, Frimpong and Brown sitting back um, and, you know, to guard against a counter-attack. But, you know, that clearly has been worked on. That has been planned and worked on for the very limited time that they had training before the game. But it looks to me, I would suggest that obviously they knew they were going to bring Duffy in and they've changed even final details as, as far as like how we attack corners to suit not just Duffy, but the whole back three. Fair enough, maybe Julian and I went up before, but I think having all three of them up there, I, I'm very interested to see how many goals they get as a collective. Well, we, we talked about it a little bit on the agenda yesterday, and I think that one of the best things about Duffy is that his physicality, I think it's going to rub off on, on Julian and Ayer. Uh, and I, I talked about it a little bit with his goal where if I was Chris Julian, I'd be a wee bit embarrassed that I got absolutely dominated by my, my teammate for a ball that he should have been up winning. And I kind of thought it was like a good marker to lay down that Duffy comes and takes absolutely everything almost like, that's how you do it. That's how you should be doing it. That's how we should be doing it in this league. And if you can do that in the opposition box where Julian's kind of thrived, you hope that it's going to have the same effect in terms of defending when it comes against playing. I know he's not in the league, but your Lyndon Dykes type players that, that Julian tends to struggle with, where I think that 
Duffy will almost have this kind of like, why are you getting pushed a bit by him? Come on, this is how we do it. And I think that that's going to hopefully see a bit more stability because I don't think that Chris Julian's a bad player. I just think he does maybe thrive on confidence and he's maybe not had the best start to the season. So putting someone really solid who straight away is just kind of leading by example. You want, you want him to take bodies, Strill? Even if it's our bodies, just take bodies. Big Absolutely. Man. Take bodies, yeah. ask some questions later if needs be, but go and get that done. And the sort of calibre of striker that that Celtic play against it shouldn't be an issue for Julian. And I hope that Duffy will come in and show that. Like, this is how it's done, mate. Come on. And we will be a, a better more formidable kind of backline and also more potent going forwards from corners and stuff. And I thought that Callum McGregor deserves some credit as well because his cross from the corner was tremendous. And then a set-piece delivery also led to a Yeti's goal, um, which is just leagues and leagues and leagues ahead of a lot of the shit that Ryan Christie hits out with it week on, week out. So I think that that's something that needs to be focused on as well, a good corner taker or a good free-kick taker to get the most out of that. Yep, that's... You basically made the point I was going to there. There's not really any point in having three guys who are so dominant in the box at corners if we're hitting the quality of corners we have for several seasons now. Just, just for clarity, Chris Ayer is not dominant in the box and he's got a head shape like a 50 pence, but I get it with the collective three of them, it must be quite intimidating. But carry on, sorry. It's on about a shade at Christian there, yet again. Um, not at all. That was specifically at Chris Ayer, and he can text him that if you want. What Stuart said there was fuck Ayer. I heard that. that was I great. did not. He's a fantastic yeah. technical player. But Beautiful. Just, don't think he scored a header in his life. No, no, it's all right. You're ruining it now, Stuart. Right. So many. <laughs> Point being is, well, it doesn't matter who's in the box. I mean, Cal McGregor did hit a, a great corner in, and he's, he's same. you were talking about his set piece for a Yeti's goal, but he's been as guilty as. Is Christie and others that we've had in recent years have not been able to deliver those corners. The, the best was Griffiths. Well, Griffiths was the best corner taker we've had in years. I think Griffiths is a great corner taker, but I've got a thing about strikers hitting corners. I remember Hasselbank used to hit them for Chelsea, and I said, you're meant to put the ball in the net, you're not meant to cross the ball in. And so I just found that strange. So, yeah, Griffiths should, he might be good. Henry, Henry for Arsenal, according to Gal as well. We could let's let's just name strikers that hit corners. Let's just. You uh, watch a lot of Chelsea growing up, sir, Manny. Um, just uh, <laughs> yeah, true, true blue loyal. That's what you had yep. in your bedroom, wasn't it? Mum will have a pasta and brown while I watch the Chelsea. <laughs> did you know him, Sky Sports? No. Do you know who Jimmy Hasselbank uh, is? We didn't watch the hunt teams though, no. sir, Manny. That was that. All oh, right, I staunch, staunch. <laughs> um, but point being is. Turnbull, Turnbull's supposed to come in with a good reputation for corners. We need somebody to put the balls in the box, especially if we've got these guys, apart from Ayer, clearly, who's going to be able to uh, uh, score goals. We really need to up our set-piece delivery. Well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Turnbull there. He was another player who came on to make his debut. This was his debut, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, first minute. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he was one of five uh, substitutes. So you had uh, Patrick Klamala came on, um, obviously got a goal. The beautiful... The, the dominant force is Mala Soro. Uh, I love that boy. Um, he came on, David Turnbull came on, Ryan Christie came on, and uh, Stuart Duggan's favourite Celtic player, Moy Elianusi, also came on. He's a fantastic um, player. Let's uh, let's not talk about Moy. Let's not talk about Ryan Christie. Let's talk about the other three. Um, I watched a wee mad thing that the, the cynic have got now um, we have the ability to watch individual players and all their... Who the, who the fuck's giving you access to that? I thought that was the ah. like absolute cloak and dagger. 
I get, I get on, change the, change the password and everything. Um, it's, it's, the password's it's, now Ayer, isn't it? No, it's, it's fuck Ayer, but anyway. Um, so, yeah, I went on and I watched every, every kind of touch, every every action that uh, Sorrow had. Um, I mean, it wasn't an exhaustive list, but it was it was good enough to get a flavour of, of what he brought. Um, and, and the one thing I would say about him, like I, I said this on the reaction, he got... Pretty much every time he got the ball, he just passed it sideways, but he just kept it moving. That was clearly his job. I thought positionally he was a lot better than he's been uh, any other time that we've seen him. A lot of the time he's kind of been like a headless chicken runabout, not really knowing where he should be. But he was very much in the centre circle, in the, the same bit as, um, or in the same area of the pitch as uh, Scott Brown would be. But the thing I really liked about him was his passing was really crisp. <clears throat> straight to straight to the player he's aiming for, but it was he, he he hits it with such a confidence, and I'd really like to see more of him. David Turnbull again, another player I looked at. He had that one lovely pass where he tried to dink it over uh, over the the back four. Um, that was a real bit of quality. He didn't really get much chance other than that. But do you think we'll see more of those two? Do you, I mean? You would say that maybe with the exception of maybe Stephen Welsh, that bench was very, very strong. If we were bringing a left back there, maybe taking a position on the, you know, maybe taking Forrest's position, Forrest being on the bench, it's a very, very strong looking bench. But what did you think of the, the, those two, first of all, Sorrow and Turnbull? You just can talk about what you thought of Sorrow and Turnbull. What's this hang that I've not got access to? I'll look you up later, mama. Five ninety nine a month or whatever. YouTube, YouTube, some money. That's it. That's what Gal gave Louis access to. He said it was like a super fancy thing. I know videos on it, man. Oh, brilliant! Billy Connolly and everything. Man. <laughs> I, well, that, uh, I access to this YouTube thing. It sounds absolutely terrific. And Chelsea. Thanks for killing the podcast, Samani. Um, anybody want to talk about actual players? Well, these, it's certainly good to see them for a, for a kickoff because I think there was a lot of people that were worried that, you know, Sora was going to be one of these players that maybe like a Kouassi would just never feature and then he'd be on his way or like Bio or some, something like that. But the fact that he's been given minutes quite early in the season is positive. I think that... Minutes, <clears throat> minutes in the legs, sure. You know. Minutes in the legs. Um, in general, seeing the likes of Turnbull, Sorrow and Klamala... The, the squad is probably going to have a massive overhaul at the end of the 10 season. I think we all knew that was coming. These are the sort of players that you might find will make up your first 11 next year, potentially, depending on what happens with some of your bigger kind of stalwart players. So I'm not anticipating Sorrow to break into the team and to displace Scott Brown by the end of the season, but maybe it'll be that if Scott Brown hangs up his boots, then yes, yeah, Sorrow is there. He's kind of had a lot of time at the club. He gets to know what the club's about. He gets experience of being part of a winning team and the standards that are required of him. And if you can come in and out of the team for 15, 20 minutes here or there, at his age, I don't see that being a problem at all. Turnbull, you'd probably expect to feature a bit more just because he knows the league so well and he has performed at a high level in the league. It's also a position where, you know, the likes of Christie, um, <clears throat> Elianusi, etc., injuries, suspensions can crop up. And so I think that it wouldn't be surprising to see him and then Klamala, if you're playing two up top, then I think Klamala has to be your first kind of go-to substitution um, naturally to kind of freshen that up. I think Klamala has come in for some unfair criticism. Um, 
But he's, his movement and his work rate has been tremendous. And I think that the finishing will come. I think it's to do with confidence and it's to do with experience. And so I think it's really positive that if a game is won or if a game is kind of out of sight, if you've got this five subs rule, which let's face it, is quite a stupid rule, you're as well taking advantage of it and making the most of it and giving them some, some time. Brian, players? Just players in general. <clears throat> I, I agree. Out of the subs, I mean, did, did anybody, as Stuart's saying there, you know, like um, Clamalla obviously got his goal and I think he has had a wee bit of a kind of hard time of it, if, if you like, because he's clearly still learning. He's clearly, I, I know it sounds sounds kind of naff to say raw, but you know what I mean? There's clearly a lot of development left to do for him. But who stood out for you in, in terms of subs? I thought Moyel Yunusi was tremendous. Oh, Jesus. Um, a, <laughs> no, I'm like, no, I did, I did think he was good. But in terms, of, I thought Sorrow was really tidy, just like you said. I thought Turnbull done great. <clears throat> but yeah, Klamala was was brilliant. He, he does, you know, really put a shift in. Um, it was just really unfortunate that what he, uh, was a sitter. He should have buried it. Um, and I think he tried to, you know, he tried to leather the ball and um, obviously the, the defender got in the way. So I felt sorry for him. But... It just shows you that, you know, he didn't let it affect him and he, he slotted uh, his next opportunity away pretty well. So I think we'll see big things for Klamala this year. I do get that he is still raw, completely agree. Um, but you can tell he's working hard at his game. Um, and I think he does give us something a bit different to, to Eddie and Ayeti as well. Yeah, I think as a striker, we're going to... Everybody's looking at him and he's missed a few you know, chances in some of the games we've had. And as a striker, obviously people are looking at his finishing. But I think what you're going to get is that work rate. He's going to run the legs off of um, defenders late in the game. We've seen him, you know, seen him pre-season where he was forcing back. I can't remember who we were playing, but he forced the keeper back, forced him into a mistake uh, and got the goal. I think that energy and that running, that it's a level of selflessness is going to be what, defines him this season as opposed to his goals because if we've got Edward and we've got a Yeti firing all cylinders these are natural goal scorers Klamala offers something a bit different up front but he will pitch in with his fair share of goals so for me I'm expecting him to have a really good season for us um, he, he maybe won't hit the, the top of the scoring charts like the other two but you'll definitely get a lot of work out of him and, and I think it's good to have something different up front especially late on in games where we might be chasing something What's everybody with these? Sorry, Brian, on you go. I was just going to ask Samari if you were to compare Clamala to any former Chelsea strikers, who would it be? Kenny Miller play for Chelsea. <laughs> oh, I've, just praised, I've just praised him and then threw him under the bus still. Um, <laughs> um Carry on. What's, um, what's everybody's kind of confidence levels in uh, everyone's favourite Greek? Celtic goalkeeper Vasily Barkas. Um, yeah, obviously it's been mentioned throughout the pod that he was man of the match. You know, and the only place that matters, the reaction podcast. He was um, man of the match. I think he, I, I think he showed us what he's got. I think he has had, had a wee bit kind of harsh criticism. I, I don't think there's been a hell of a lot to go on when you're criticising him. Um, okay, he's conceded a couple of goals, but I wouldn't say he's had massive glaring faults that really give you a, a lot to worry about. And certainly his, his kind of shot-stopping and reaction saves, getting down low on both sides. Um, he pulled off some great saves at the weekend. 
do you think we're starting to see the real Barkas and, and and are you confident that he, you know, he's a good enough replacement for what we had last year in, in Fraser Foster? I'm, I'm confident in that, yeah. <clears throat> I think as you're right to say, this this week is the first time that you've properly seen him had to make saves in the games, really, in general. He's had very little to do. Um, and I think that from a technical perspective, yeah, there's plenty to see there that he's going to be a, a quality keeper. I'm not really sure that you see much of his character. I don't know what you, you make of him. He doesn't seem like he's a big, kind of imposing, loud goalkeeper, um, maybe in quite the same way that Fraser Forster is. Maybe that's just an adjustment period. Maybe he's settling in. Maybe it's getting to know um, the kind of backline. But I thought that it was really positive. He thought he made some tremendous saves. Obviously, you don't really want to see him have to make saves. So it's a testament that you haven't seen so much of him after playing so many games. But I felt like it's, it was definitely enough to to sort of reassure anyone that was worried. Obviously, if you're getting paid by the Red Tops to say whatever they want, then nothing's going to stop you from criticising them. But for the fans, I think he's he's absolutely fine. I think that everyone should should chill out if anyone was worried about him. I think the problem he had was he wasn't Fraser Foster. Anybody coming in had... For me, the best goalkeeper I've seen at Celtics, Fraser Foster. So the shoes he has to fill were, were absolutely massive. So he was on a wee bit of a hiding to nothing. Add into the fact that the defence hasn't settled as well, it's probably it's probably been a wee bit more difficult for him. I said in, in, the, in the reaction after the game at the weekend that he'll now be looked at on his own merits a bit more in terms of what he can do in, term, in shot stopping and things like that. Having a guy like Duffy as well is going to be huge for him because I think one of the weaknesses that was pointed out was that he's maybe not the best in the air a lot of the time. See, if you've got a centre-half like Duffy, he should take care of a lot of those balls into the box, which negates having to be as good at that. So I've got high hopes for the guy now. Um, I thought you could even say that that was the start of his Celtic career um, at the weekend there. So I'm hoping he'll go for strength to strength um, and just kind of go from there. Right, yeah, totally agree with that. I think the, the criticism was exactly like Stu said. It was just clickbait. That's all it was. Um, give some mouth a bit of money and they'll, they'll say anything for the, the red tops. But he did well. He's not. We've not really had a huge amount to judge him on. Um, again, agree with Sir Manny. Um, everybody was comparing him to Foster. He's not that type of goalkeeper. Um, he does seem a bit less intimidating. Um, but you know Duffy will go and Duffy will sort out the box, so we don't really need to worry about intimidating any uh, forwards in there. Um, I think he looks good. He done really well, um, and a lot of the shot stops he made were in really a really crowded box, um, which can obviously be difficult for a goalie. So I think it's 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 we're all looking to uh, forward to good things for him, and I think we've uh, I think we've got a keeper. It was um, it was a test event at the weekend um, with three hundred Ross County fans uh, in there. Although you kind of wouldn't know it, um, there was a lot of kind of restrictions and in, in, in terms of they had to kind of stay seated. They weren't meant to shout or sing or cheer or anything like that. Um, although I think in the other test event, the Aberdeen game, I think it was a bit more lively and, and they were kind of a bit more vocal. Um, I, Brian, have you, have you got a season ticket this year, Brian? Uh, kind of, yes. One I'm kind of sharing because I probably won't make to make it to all the games. So, um, 
I, but yeah, yeah. So. I, I just I just knew that me and, me and Stuart don't have one, but um, obviously Samani does. But just out of curiosity, Samani, are you, I mean, the two of you, are you worried at this point in time with everything that's going on as to whether you're actually going to get into see a game this season? Because there's no, there's no test events scheduled for this weekend's, for, for this week's games, which I thought was a bit disappointing considering clearly, I think, I've not seen any reports that there was any issues. But it doesn't look as if there's any momentum building there, and obviously the right the, the rise in cases. Are you a bit concerned by it, or are you more positive now that the test events have taken place? Um, I kind of resign myself to to thinking that I'm not going to see. I'm definitely not going to see a game in person this side of the year, and even after that, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that it's it's a bonus if we get that and I don't I don't necessarily think that that's right I don't think that the pace is moving right when it comes to football as a spectator sport I, I think during this pandemic especially in, in, in Scotland I think they've been overly kind of punitive and hard on, on, on the thought of football fans being in stadiums um, so I, I don't think it's right I think fans in bigger numbers should be coming in safely and distance and all that because I think you one of the easiest places to do that would be in a massive stadium because you can kind of seat people um, distance from each other. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I've, I've kind of just accepted that it, there's a very good chance that it might not happen this season because of it. Um, so at one point, when I, when I renewed the season ticket, that was only in the back of my head, but it quickly became a reality that there's a good chance you won't actually get into the ground. It is what it is, to be perfectly honest. Um Hopefully we start to build and get numbers in and we can get into some games, but what, what, what can you do really? Yeah, I think we're all we're all desperate to get back to, to Parkers, but I'm not sure it's going to happen this side of the this side of the year. Um but the weird thing is as far as I know, although I don't know if this is just uh, forum rumours, but Celtic are having been back events. They had one at the weekend and they're having one tomorrow, I think, yep. in in Celtic Park, which is obviously they're using the sort of bar restaurant um, guidelines which is totally fine but if you think they can accommodate I don't know a few hundred people within the hospitality suites you know which are using the same access um, to, to the stadium would it not be a bit safer actually having them outside actually sitting in in the stadium it just seems a bit a yeah. bit strange that's true there's more cases in the, in the teams than in the stands at the moment anyway. So <laughs> if they can get that sorted, then maybe they should off the fans. What was it today? Another three Hamilton Aikis players? I was just thinking, we talked about it a wee bit with my mate Sean. Imagine you wait six months to get back in and you see your team and they just get absolutely horsed off Selic and you want to go home after 70 minutes, but you can't because it's a test event for COVID. That'd be very demoralising, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be I mean can you even buy a pie I take it you can't go and go out of your seat and pretend that you're going to buy a pie and piss off um, <laughs> so transfer news we, it was mentioned earlier uh, Charlton's young Alfie for Charlton uh, Alfie Doherty he is a left back left wing back left midfielder he plays on the left that's pretty much all we know he's actually playing left wing back tonight um, they are currently playing West Ham in the Carabao Cup and getting beat 2 0 at half time. But he's playing left wing back tonight. Um, he must be shit then because West Ham are rubbish. I don't want him anymore. Yeah, I think <laughs> he's probably shit. But it looks like we're trying to. I think we're, there's been reports that we're up in the bid to 800,000 
you know, penny pension wall again. I, I, don't, I don't know why I had it in my head when we were talking about this the other day that Celtic are coming in with a third bid. I thought, oh, third bid? Must be, what, 2, 2.5, 2.6, something like that. It was like 800k is the third bid. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, just pay for him. So uh, can, I think it was Ian said in the group today, definitely Law's been told that they won't accept less than a million. <laughs> He's come back with 800k. <laughs> um, so in that regard, coming back to your point, Samani, about getting transfer business done, yes, that is very frustrating because that is not a significant amount of money if you've got this young, talented player that could potentially slot straight into your first team. Terry Tibbs. Oh, that's that's exactly that. That's like a, a kind of historic thing for Celtic. I mean, they did it with McGinn as well. And I'll, let's not revisit that transfer saga. But it's like uh, here's an asking price. It's three million pound. Okay, slide a bit of paper across the table. Two hundred grand written on. <laughs> not it's three million pounds on the note. <laughs> it's, it's three million pounds, Peter. Two seconds, and I don't know him. Brings out a packet of fags and slides it across or something. <laughs> Stupid. Especially when you're struggling for a player. You go in, if, if, if the rumours are true and they want a million quid, give them a million quid. Get it done. Uh, he's 20 years old. Should be some resale value. If he's the man for the position, nail it down now. You know, I think it's, it's a bit weird though, like you were saying earlier on about recruitment, where everybody we've brought in so far, like obviously Barkas, Yeti, Duffy, and even re signing Moy, they're all high level. Uh, signings, you know, really good quality, probably at a level, you know, we, we maybe wouldn't have expected just based on previous transfer windows. Whereas we have one of, if not the most important position in the team to fill just now. And we're going for a boy who's 20 year old, I think one good season in the championship. And that's possibly what we're relying on for the left wing back position. It just seems a bit of a, a punt on a potential project as opposed to maybe just going out and trying to get someone of, you know, real calibre for that for that role. Selick in it, mate. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else to say to that. It's just... I, you've, had a, you've, had, you've had a good transfer window up to now, Brian. <laughs> Something's got to go wrong. The thing is, as well, right? I mean, we obviously had Tierney, who made that position his own. Um, but he, traditionally, we've had so many shite left-backs. Do you know, Danny Fox, um, what was it, El Kaduri... Uh, Brafheed, we've gone through a litany of pish left backs. I think we're just going right back into that now. We're going; it's going to be another twenty-five left backs we sign before there's going to be a good one. So, uh, on that positive note, I'll uh, I'll let you take over. Louis. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, listen, we'll talk more about him if he actually signs and uh, Terry Tivs puts another couple of hundred thousand down the down the table. Exactly. Um, Bolly, as you mentioned earlier, Stuart, um, I know you're a big fan of Bolly. Um, Bolly is gone. He's uh, he's left us for Turkey. Um, he left us once before for Turkey, and that's what got us into this mess. But he's off. He's not going to be back for, well, you would hope ever. But we're not going to talk about that because what's the point? Um, tomorrow night is the return of the Reaction podcast with, uh, no offence, Stuart, the the greatest reactionary figures of the cynic, it's uh, me and Samani. It's a, it's a way game again. I do completely uh, agree that you're usually very reactionary, Louis. <laughs> that's, that's just me all over, isn't it? Um, but yeah, we're, we're away to St Martin tomorrow. St Martin have obviously had a, a lot of difficulties with goalkeepers, with coronavirus, um, but I think there's 
you know, they're going to have a couple of options now because one of them is back. Do we stick with 3-5-2? I think that's probably obvious, but is there anything you would like to see different in terms of personnel that would maybe, you know, deliver a better performance? Because I think overall we would, we just want to see a performance that last 90 minutes, not 45. But is there anything we need to change from what you saw at the weekend? Any of the players maybe that came on from the, from the bench? Um is there anything different you would do? I think it might be the same personnel. <clears throat> I think definitely three five two. I think it's interesting what's going to happen with Ryan Christie because he seemed like he was playing in literally any position that he could be shoehorned into. So I thought it's strange that he was the one to fall out of the team. But I think that it would be the same personnel. Ordinarily, you would maybe say that St Mirren's the sort of game that you could get away with rotation. But in context, the fact that this is one of the games in hand it's a really, really important game. I know that on paper Celtic will be favourites and that all being well, there won't be any issues, but it's a massively important game and I think you have to just play your strongest team and try and blow them away, try and get the same sort of result and hopefully a better performance than the weekend. I think uh, Christy might come in for Incham. It's just a feeling. Um, I think despite what you said about Brown, I would still assume that Lennon sees them as the rotational players um, and Christie might be might be the one to come in for in Cham going forward, but largely speaking, it'll be three five two, and he'll play Forrest at left wing back. Um, but I think that's if there's going to be a change, I would suspect it might be Christie for in Cham. Yeah, I think uh, I would might agree with that. I think it should be the same team um, from the weekend, um, just to keep that momentum. I think tomorrow is is huge. Uh, there can't be any slip ups. Um, obviously, I would love to absolutely hammer them, particularly if they've not got a goalie. Um, but I take a win now. It's, it's massive tomorrow night, and we need to get a win. And I'd like to see the continuity, keep the same team, and just you know work with that. But similarly, like Samani, I've got a feeling that, that Christie will come in. I was really shocked Christie didn't start uh, at the weekend. So likelihood is he'll he'll probably play play tomorrow night, and uh, and Cham will, will get the hook. I've um, I'm I'm going to say that I, I think. I don't think he'll do it right, but if it was up to me, I'd still be getting Brown Town out of it. I think you know that's Brown, not going to happen. Though. I know, but you know, I think I think we might see a wee bit more of Sorrow and Turnbull again, and I, I think he likes Turnbull. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be completely shocked if maybe Brown didn't play, and he played maybe Turnbull or or Christie. Um, Christie, I think, is a hard one because I don't think you can. I don't know if you can leave him out too often. Um, I think he'll, he'll he'll really want to make sure that he's still getting game time. But you know, we keep saying it. We keep saying it. We keep banging on about Brown can't play all the games and you have to use him sparingly and all this sort of thing. Well, do you know what? This game away at St Martin, I know it's a big game because it's you know the game that we never had and it's important that we get all three points of course but you know it's the same for every game I, I would be inclined to to drop Brown and play either Turnbull or Christie in there and, and maybe get Soros some game time later on as well of course we've got the, the the game at the weekend at home against Livingston Livingston you know we, we owe Livingston a performance probably more so away than, than at home because I think at home we've been fine against them um, maybe there's an argument that that's the time to drop Brown because you know bigger pitch and all that I, I get that's that what I was, but. that's what I was going to say um, I think that with that game in mind Livingston have started the season really poorly and they do look like a sort of different outfit without Dykes and um, 
think that if you get a result tomorrow, you keep that consistency. You don't just chop and change the second time you play a 3-5-2. Get Livingston at home on the big pitch and perhaps that's when you can afford to to give Brown a game out or have a look and see at the system, how it works without him. Um, because I'd be far more confident on... Is it Saturday? It's a Saturday 3 o'clock again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I think com- so, yeah. Far more confident there than I would be uh, somewhere. I think... Uh, Brown was a lot better on Sunday against Ross County. So... Uh, see the win- the window for the the idea that he drops him or he takes him. The, the important thing is for me that he took him off again. So it's I suppose it proves the idea that you're just going to whip him out and that's the end of it. I don't think that's going to happen. But what is uh, Lennon shown this season is that he's not going to play ninety minutes solidly. And you said it in the WhatsApp. Brown's going to play ninety minutes, isn't he? And he didn't. Boy, he didn't. So uh, I suppose Brown's not a ninety minute every week guy now. I would think. Um, but I was pleased how he performed against Ross County, but I would definitely agree with Stu. I would be more inclined to leave him out of games at home. I just, I think that that's more likely to happen and I think we could get away, get away with it a bit more if it went wrong um, in terms of what Brown can bring to drive the team forward. So I think if it does happen this week, it would be in Saturday. It's, it's those intangibles, sorry to cut you off, Brian, it's those intangibles that are probably more essential away from home if you come up against a turgid Kilmarnock or a Livingston at home for example and players need to boot up the arse that's when you need Brown that's when he's going to offer you that that extra sort of percentage Shane, that, Shane Duffy though Stuart I'm sure he'll get it as well I'm sure that he will he will be that role but I think in the centre of the pitch that's where Scott Brown would thrive um, in that role because there's a part of me that thinks maybe you know, ideal scenario is because we all know we, we can't go back on what we said just because he said one better performance, right? He's still not been like, you know, best player on the pitch performance, but he's been better than his usual shite. You can't go back <laughs> and say, aye, he's got to start every week and all that sort of thing. Well, I, man, still, I, I still think we'd be a better team without him. Nobody's saying that. And what you're also I, doing. I, is- that's all right. Don't get your back up, son. No, my back, sorry. My back. That's all right, Flower. Shane Duffy's played one game. Oh, the intangibles that uh, Brown's got. Duffy will take care of that. Everything in the team sheet. To your agenda. Do you know who's going to win this league for us this season? Iron Brown. Aya. Ah, fuck. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Of course you do. Of course you do. The good thing is, what we've seen is the fact... You and Christian Wolf. (laughs) The fact that he started to take Brown off gets us used to it because it's never happened really before. Um, and I think one, I can't remember what podcast it was, was when we were chatting about that, where, you know, just making that wee change gets people used to Brown, you know, not finishing games. And then it won't be that much of a surprise when he doesn't start. You won't be panicking as much because as much as I don't think he's playing at the level we want him to be, I think if Scott Brown doesn't start the game, you would be kind of worried. No, no, you wouldn't be worried, Brian. You don't need to phase him out to make us feel better. It's sound. Just drop it if you don't think he's... He don't, <laughs> don't mess about with it. Anyway, Captain Intangible is, uh, is Shane Duffy. He's got the intangibles, he's got the tangibles, he's got all the, all the tangibles. Get he's the statue the built for that loan signing that we've got him. <laughs> yep, get him the captain's armband, get the statue built. He's the boy. Um, we're going to finish up with a, a wee look at the table because we've, we've not done this in the last couple of... Um, couple of cynic weeklies. Um, at the top of the table, the man came up. They are up there by virtue of their couple of games in hand over us on 19 points. Second is, is Hibs. Um, 
Hibs are on 16 points, played the same number of games as Rangers, so three points behind them. Uh, then it's us, the good guys. Um, and then Aberdeen, who have also, obviously because of coronavirus and the, and the game against us that was postponed, they've only played five games as well, and they are behind us by one point with 12. Um, so there's a clear clear top four formed. Uh, fifth place, Ross County are on eight points, so four points behind Aberdeen. Um, I, I, I can't really see oh, that just going End the show, just reading out the whole table there. No, no, honestly, no. Um, <laughs> at the climax. Yeah, but the, I don't see that changing too much. Aberdeen, you know, they've won the last four games. They're clearly, I suppose, the form team in terms of results, at least. Um, but yeah, we've got a couple of games coming up. Obviously, the first one tomorrow night. Um, we can kind of close that gap. Um, but yeah, that's how it's looking currently. Comes um, the road at the weekend. Tricky game. Yeah. Yeah. Can we not go top if we win our next two games? Because I think they're playing later, maybe. Possibly, but obviously that's, a, that's an interesting stat, Brian McManus. Because I totally made it up, but yeah. If obviously if we win tomorrow night, then it means that when we beat them on the seventeenth, we'll go top. So yeah, nothing that's... to worry about, Lance. All good. Ten in a row. Here we Scott go. Brown at the helm. Send a bag. It, it just shows you right though when when the bowling goalie story came out there was talk of us going 11 points behind them and come Saturday night we could be top of the league uh, on goal difference so it's you know it's, it's a lesson in not being reactionary and I think some people on this podcast could take that advice to heart like uh Big vanilla summarizer. Okay, so uh, that's listen. We're the Cynic Weekly. This has been a pleasure, Stuart. You are um, a man of many pods, but it's great to have you here in your spiritual home. I believe. Thank, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. Always great to get the nod. Um, so thanks, uh, Brian McManus. This really is your spiritual home. You don't have many others. OG yeah. Brian McManus. Yeah, it's great to be back. I'm just waiting to the next international break when we record our midweek bounce to get properly torn into you two after Sir Manny's comments on the last of last. So, yeah. I was a wee bit disappointed just before we go that there wasn't any shade thrown in the WhatsApp. I'm trying to start a beef, but, you know. No, I just give it time. Give it time. See, you used to just right jump in and like get a reaction straight away, but you've got to play the long game. Just shape bags, Sir Manny. That's what that's. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sir Manny. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, love being on the Cynic Weekly and on the uh, Patreon's Premier Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow on the Away Reaction and I'll probably slag off um, Brian McManus on that as well. I think we should listen to somebody. I don't know. Well, I've got a place in your heart. <laughs> makes me feel all warm. You know what? You know it's in jest. You know I love you. <laughs> So Manny, I think I, I think the reaction tomorrow night should be a Cairns podcast, but I'm just putting it out there. We'll see what's in the fridge. Anyway, this has been the Cynic Weekly. It's been a pleasure, and we will speak to you down the road. <laughs>